Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. Now I'd like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Megan. I'm uh, Megan Bulimic, Compulsive Overeater. Hi, and um, I'm definitely going to try not think about the fact that there's two devices recording me right now. Um, I want to thank Walter uh, in his absence for asking me to speak. It's a huge honor to get to ask to speak anywhere, but especially at, um, at this meeting, which I have such respect for. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just going to ask God to speak through me and share with you my experience, my strength, and my hope, and, um, you know, if you've heard me before, you're going to hear the same thing again. Uh, the story doesn't really change, so, um, um, I just have to say, I was, like, panicking, because I actually came out from Claremont right now, and the traffic was pretty awful, I mean, it's L.A., so you should expect that, but, um, oh, my God, I was panicking, because I was like, I'm not going to get there in time, so I'm calling Walter, and I'm like, I know you're not going to be there, but can you call someone at the meeting to let them know I'm coming? And I was like, seriously, from downtown all the way here, I was just saying the serenity prayer, like, over and over and over again. And uh, and it got me here, so yay. And, you know, somewhat sane, which is also important. Um, right, so, I mean, I, I just love this program. Um, this program has changed my life, and it continues to change my life. Um, as long as I work it, and I, I and congratulations to the newcomers and to the chip takers and everybody. Uh, it's just so beautiful to watch people grow in this program because uh, it really does change lives. And and like somebody shared, it's like as much as I put into it, that's what I'm going to get out. Like if I embrace the program, it embraces me right back. And it's like I even go through um, kind of like you know ebbs and flows throughout my recovery uh, that like. You know, if I'm like at a, I don't know, if I'm not giving as much to OA at a certain time, I won't be feeling as much, you know. But and the more I give, the more meetings I go to, the more of service I am, the more commitments I have, the more sponsees I have, the more I'm checking with my sponsor, the more I feel enveloped in this program and just really cared for and protected. Um, so I guess I'll just start with uh, what it used to be like. Um, Look, I'll, I'll tell you the first. I, uh, I've got a little over five years of abstinence, um, and I haven't really lost any weight. I've just kind of stayed the same. Um, that's, that's all. Um, I've always loved food. I have no idea if that makes me a compulsive read or not. I just know I've always loved it. I have really strong food memories from growing up. I knew, like, when I went to the grocery store with my dad, I got this food item. When I went with my mom, I got that other food item. And, you know, I, I remember distinctly going to certain family members' homes and the types of food they would have. Um, but, you know, I, again, does that make me abnormal? I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I was always real finicky and fussy about how I liked my food prepared and, you know, butter all the way to the edge of the toast and waffles with, like, butter in every single little square. I mean, <laughs> but that just could be me as an anal person. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I try to, you know, lighten up a bit these days. <clears throat> but um, food didn't start becoming a problem until I hit puberty. And, and um, I guess I also want to say, like, Food is not the source of my problem at all. It's merely a symbol. Like, my problem is in between my my ears. I mean, it's my thinking, and it's, you know, it's also a spiritual lapse. 
But um, food was just a mere symptom. It, it was just something that I used to, to try to fill that hole. So um, anyway, so when I um, food started becoming a problem when I got to about middle school, and I share this every time, but I used to read Babysitters Club books and Sweet Valley High Club books, and if you're, if you're a woman and you're of a certain age, you might recall those. And I just was like, oh, this is what life is like. Everyone likes me, and I'm super popular, and I have tons of friends, and boys love me, and life is just great. And that's when I'm like, okay, this is what life is like. And then I go to junior high, and then we, we moved in the middle of junior high, and all of a sudden there was like all these cliques and like cool people, and they like they dressed cool, and I was clueless. I was so not part of the cool crowd at all. I was like, you know, I was tall and like skinny and had big glasses and long stringy hair and big feet and like I was not the epitome of cool. I was so not like, you know, Elizabeth and Jessica Wakefield from Two Valley High. <laughs> and I just so badly wanted to be. And I was just, I mean, I was just so puzzled and all that stuff turned into like major depression, major, you know, just like self-loathing, just like major self-loathing and, um, and what you know and I was like writing die on my arm I mean and I share this with you because like this is what led for me to pick up food because I had all these horrible thoughts and feelings going on and I I soon learned that if I came home from school feeling really miserable and depressed and low if I just ate a bunch of food I felt better I I just didn't feel period and that was great um you know, because I'd come home and my, my mom worked and my parents were divorced and my brother would be, like, off with his friends or, in, you know, some sports or something. So I'd be all alone. I'd, like, make a big bubbly pizza, watch Saved by the Bell, and, and like, zone out. And I was just a happy, happy camper. Um, and then in came the bulimia because I started to get attention from my older brother's friends. And I was like, cool, attention, you know, male attention. I'll take it. I want it. And, um... And then, but I was learning that as I was, like, eating more and more, I started to get a little bigger. And um, I remember, like, I looked at a photograph, like, this is just, like, this, uh, the under-eating, bulimia side of the stuff is, um, I, I was, like, 14 years old, okay, I was a sophomore, and I remember looking at a picture of myself and seeing, like, arm, skin, like this, and, and you know, bulging, for those who can't see me, um, and being, like, horrified, like, oh, my God, no, this is not, this is not acceptable, um, and I was like, I have to change this. So I, like, cut back on what I was eating. And I was just very methodical and controlled. You know, the whole, like, butter to the edge of the toast thing. Like, I applied that to my body. And um, so I discovered bulimia. Um, I, I, I swear I think I got it from, like, an after-school special. Because I don't know where one learns this thing of, like, gee, I'll stick my finger down my throat. That just sounds like a really normal idea. Um but so I did that. So I would come home from school and binge and then purge. And um, I did that off and on. I had some, like, weird kind of sick internal barometer that I thought was, like, an acceptable amount of binging and purging. And, oh, no, this is getting a little too far. Like, we must keep it in this little range here of, I don't know, a few times a week. I don't know. It's like, is it ever acceptable or healthy or normal to stick your finger down your throat? I don't think so. Um, anyway, but I did that off and on all during high school and just – Again, like, the goal for me was just to control the weight, but to still be able to use the food as a tool to, you know, not be so depressed and, um, and yeah, unhappy. So, what else can I tell you? I mean, high school was just, it was, it was 
it was okay. There were some really crappy parts, and there were some really fun parts. Um, it's my 10-year high school reunion this year. Am I going to go? No. But there were still fun parts, you know. And um, it's just so funny. Like, my, my goal of high school, I remember, like, I, I went to a therapist. I read the Dale Carnegie book. I did not supposed to reference books. Anyway, I read a book um, about how to have more friends. And um, it was, like, my, my goal. My, I was, I'm going to be popular. Like, I've got to be popular. And I would, like, say affirmations to myself every morning. Like, I love myself totally and completely. And I am totally and completely confident. I'm, like, this little 15-year-old kid, like, writing his affirmations. And, like, I, I would psych myself up in the shower every morning to, like, go to school and face the, like, cool kids who would tease me. And, like, I can do this. I can not let them get to me. And um, I just, I think one of the, like, the... <laughs> You're looking at me like I'm totally freak, <laughs> which maybe. Um, but um, you know, I think that's just one of the characteristics of an addict is like this intense determination. And like I think when we like, you know, harness that energy towards helpful things, like I can learn to do in this program, I can really, I can, I can accomplish some amazing things. And um, anyway, so you know, I, I got to be whatever popular in high school, but um, I didn't, like, I still wasn't happy. I still had these big, dark, black periods for, like, days where I would just be so depressed, and no one knew what to do with me because everything on the outside was perfectly fine. Great family, healthy, you know, smart, whatever. Like, there was nothing on the outside for me to feel so depressed, and I, I just was like, there's something wrong with me. I'm a freak, whatever. Um, so then I go to college, and then I discover other substances and alcohol and go crazy there and um, toward the end of my drinking and using I um, I pretty much would use any substance I could so that I could binge without feeling guilty I don't know if that makes sense to anyone but like I would because I it's like I couldn't binge totally happily if I was sober I wanted to be a little bit out of it so that I could just be like Whatever, I'm not going to think about the weight I'm gaining and the stuff I'm putting in my body. And um, so I, I ended up going to a program for those other substances and alcohol. And um, unfortunately, the food problem didn't go away at all. And in fact, it increased. You know, like I was able to put down the food in, or the, the alcohol and drugs. But the, it was just like, you know, that stupid game where you, like, hit down the hippo's head and it pops up some other hole. It was like, that's exactly what it was. Like, I put it down in the alcohol and the drugs, and it just, like, exploded like a jack-in-the-box up in the food area. And the great thing was, I was a newcomer in, you know, this other program, and um, they were like, oh, as long as you don't drink or use, just, you know, eat whatever you want. Like, you know, you don't have a problem with food. You're, you know, you're an alcoholic. Like, go for it. I was like, cool, green light. You know, bring on the chocolate cake and everything. Um, and I did. And, oh, but I, I forgot to say, like, after, at the end of high school, I just, I had lost the ability to, to throw up anymore. And I am so grateful for that um, because it's just so destructive and unhealthy. And, um, but, of course, I did not lose the ability to binge. If only we could just, like, lose that ability magically. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm newly sober, and see, I, there's, like, no way I can go for 40 minutes. I'm already, like, getting into, you know, what happened. Um, but so I'm, I'm newly sober. I'm just binging almost every night, you know, pretty much all the time, um, and still really unhappy, 
you know, my life is so is really really small, and I haven't talked about I guess the headspace a lot of when I you know when I'm in the food, but it's you know like I heard somebody else say it's, it's just how much do I weigh? How much do you weigh? You know, what are, what am I eating? What are you eating? What do you think of me? You know, what do I think of me? What do I think of you? What, you know, what I think of your body? And I mean, that's all I would think about. All I would think about is, you know, your body, my body, your food, my food. What do you think of my food? What do you think of my body? Like, just nonstop. And uh, my life was so small. It was like, go to work, go to school, binge. Think about binging. Think about the food. Where am I going to get the food? Like, have the food placed on speed dial so I can just call it up and order it and pick it up and go home and eat it. Um... You know, I was eating my roommate's food all the time. Ha. Ah, Twelve minutes. And, um... <laughs> this is a good thing. Um, you know, and, and it was just that humiliation of, like, waking up, having eaten her whatever I've eaten. And, um... Yeah, because it's like, it's one thing if I was just... I mean, it's bad enough and humiliating enough to just, you know, binge on your own. But then it's like when you have somebody visually seeing that and it's like... You know, I would try to give her money, like, oh, here's the money for, you know, whatever, your thing. And she'd be like, well, no, Megan, you just have to replace it. Fine, okay, and then I'd replace it, and then I would just eat it again. And um, it was just not fun. It was just a really unhappy time. And I would just, I would try so hard, like it says in the big book, you know, um, to eat like normal people. I would. I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to have two cookies tonight. That's normal. I can do that. Or I'm going to have one little bowl of ice cream. I can do that. And I couldn't do it. <laughs> Maybe for one night I could do it, but then not the next night. And then I'm thinking about it all day long. And, um, I mean, like, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that I am bulimic and compulsive overeater, that I'm powerless over food, and that I am bodily and mentally different than my fellows when it comes to food. Because I have tried so hard on my own to enjoy my food, you know, like a lady, or to enjoy my binge foods like a lady, and I cannot do it, like, without a shadow of a doubt. I um, I knew I had a problem with sugar. I just, you know, I knew that. I, I would get, like, I'd literally get, well, I'd eat so much sugar that I would get, like, flashing lights. I would just see these, like, bright flashing lights in my vision, um, and I would get, like, super high from the sugar, and then I would crash and get, like, really depressed. And, um, and so anyway, I, I knew. And, and then I end up getting food allergy tested, and it's like, oh, you're allergic to sugar. Like, shocking. And so I decided, somehow I got the willingness to put down sugar, and then I discovered you can get anything on the planet fruit juice sweetened. And I quickly befriended, you know, the various stores that sell these fruit juice sweetened desserts. And, um... I did a lot of research. You know, it says, like, if you're not sure if you're a compulsive overeater, like, go do some research. Go experiment. See if you can eat, you know, like a normal person. And I tried. But, oh, my God. I So I learned, for me, I am powerless over desserts, whether they are fruit juice sweetened or whether they're sugar sweetened. And that is just me. Everyone is different. Um, but I remember when I heard somebody share that at a meeting, that they were powerless over desserts, that they abstained from desserts, I was like, oh, my God, that's me. You know, because I knew, I know a lot of people in the program who can eat fruit juice sweet and stuff, or they can eat sugar. Like, you know, it's, it's totally different for every single person. Um, so anyway, that was that tangent. Um, so, what's happening? So I'm, I'm sober, binging, and unhappy. Life is very small. Don't have a lot of friends. Um, still really scared around people. 
I was kind of like, you know, I called it like the chameleon. And I thought this was like such a profound revelation. Oh my God, I'm like a chameleon. And I've heard that so many times in the room now. Um, like, I'm not the only one. Shocking. Um, that, you know, wherever I would go, whatever group of people I'd be with, I would just want to be like them. And I would quickly assess the, the situation and be like, okay, well, what words do they use? And what's the tone of voice? And what are they dressed like? And, you know, what kind of... And I would just become like those people because I just so desperately wanted you to like me. Um, and I was just so sure that you would not like me if I was just myself. And, I mean, to further that, I didn't even know, like, what myself was. I really didn't because I was so used to just being like whoever I was around. So this is like life before OA, and then I remember at one point I went to OA, I think I was like nine months sober, and um, I went to OA and I was like, these people are freaks, I don't relate, this is not like me, I I just, I wasn't ready, I wasn't ready. And then I went back like six months later because I was almost, or a little over that, because I was almost two years sober, and I was still binging until I passed out, and it was just not good. So I went to OA, and I just, I got it. It was like, oh my God, every... Everything that everyone was sharing, no matter the age or the sex or the race or whatever, I got what they were saying. Like the feelings and the, the habits with the food, um, I just related. And I so did not want to have this disease. I was not happy that I related because, and I've shared this before, I was fine with going to AA. Sorry, I'm not supposed to say that, I guess. But um, we're going to this other program. Because it's cool, you know, like movie stars and rock stars and it's like hip, slick, and cool. And um, I didn't get that impression when I came to it. <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I'm not particularly hip, slick, and cool, let me tell you. But um, I want to hang out with those people. But uh, I was like, I don't want this disease. Urgh, you know, it's not cool. And um, But I have this disease, and I'm just like all of you. And... Um, so anyway, so I kept going, and I kept going, and it took me like six months of like, okay, I have this disease, and I will get a sponsor, and I'll clean up my food, and then I'd be like, mm, I don't really have this disease, I don't really need this, I mean, calling in my food, that's, you know, really, I don't need that, that's annoying, um, and, but I would just keep going back and forth, like, I would try it my way, my way would end up binging, like, anytime I take my will back in the food area, and I'm like, I don't need a sponsor, I don't need to work the steps, I don't need to call in my food, I can, I can, in fact, I can eat desserts, like, it's fine. I would end up binging in a day, two days, a week. Um, so like I said, there's not a shadow of doubt in this mind that I am powerless over food because I tried it so many times. And every time I was like, uh-uh, no. Like, you want to try it again? I'll tell you the same thing again. No. Um, so eventually what happened, I was about two years, just just about two years sober, and um, my sponsor in the other program, if she was the one who at first was like, you don't have a food problem, you're just a newcomer in this other program, you know, you don't need to go to OA. And it's like, when she finally got it, she's like, you're really sick. I mean, she's like, you're going to kill yourself. She, and she really like, it's like when she got it, I, I had I had her in such a pedestal, I guess that's like another program, but, um, <laughs> but I, um, that when she got it, I, I was willing to see that. And, um, but, she was like, you know, you're going to kill yourself, uh, whether it's through the eating and then, like, binging and, who knows, maybe purging again, or whether it's because you get so unhappy that you go out in the other program and you start drinking and using, and then you kill yourself, or whether you get so depressed and suicidal that you take your own life. She's like, this disease is going to kill you, like, and you need to treat it with every bit 
as much seriousness as you treat your other disease. And it's like, I mean, that was like a lightning bolt to me, and that was such a god shot. I mean, talk about higher power right there, because I feel like, you know, whatever, the thing was like lifted. Was that, uh, oh, I was like, I'm on the way. Um, um, but it was such a gift, because I, before I treated this disease as not a disease, I treated it as an inconvenience. It's just food. It's like, come on, there's people starving in the world, and here I am, you know, complaining that I eat too much. Like, And I realized, for whatever reason, I have this disease, and it is a disease, and it's a very serious, and it will kill me. Um, and I don't doubt that today because I know I mean you know as I mentioned like when I was a kid I mean I was writing die on my arm and I tried to commit suicide once and like I get to a really dark dark place and if I'm out there playing with the food you know I may as well be playing with heroin like it's that deadly for me and um you know lord knows what I would do you know if I was in that dark of a place again um so I just jumped into this program, like somebody else said, like feet first, both feet, just jumped in, and I was so unhappy, so miserable, I got the most amazing, wonderful sponsor, who then promptly moved to Mexico, like three months later, <laughs> which was like, great. Um, but she was just so fantastic, and she had like 16 years of the time, and she was just like, she was so unbelievably loving, and I would call her and just, I mean, I was such a needy sponsee, and I probably still am, I mean, I was... I just didn't know how to get through the day without eating. I did not know how to get through the day without eating. I didn't know what a normal meal was. I, I just didn't. I was so used to restricting or being on some weird food plan or just eating whatever I wanted. Um, but she had to teach me, like, how, this is a normal size. This is a normal portion. And, you know, you need to call it in before you eat. And I found such freedom. Like, I would call in my food in the beginning of the day before I ate it. And then I didn't have to spend, like, from 8 a.m. to 11.59 thinking, what am I going to get for lunch? Where can I go? I could have this at this place or this at this. You know, I would spend like hours just thinking about it. And it's like, oh, wait, I don't have to think about it because I've already called it in. It's already decided. Um, and then, you know, beyond the food, like just, she was just so loving. And, you know, I would call her and tell her what was going through my mind of like, you know, I'm so nervous about seeing these people and, and just basically all the like self-hatred that was going through my mind. And she'd be like, you know, she kind of, like, put a mirror up to me, and she's like, Megan, listen to what you're saying about yourself. Like, imagine if you had, like, a little three-year-old girl. Would you, you know, what would you do if she was saying those things to herself? Like, would you, you know, would you further berate her, or would you, like, take her in your arms and hold her and love her and tell her, you know, that, that none of that's true? And she really helped me to learn to love myself. And, and I don't know if that sounds trite or anything, but... um you know, for me, this disease is so much about self-loathing and not accepting myself. And, I mean, why else would somebody, you know, shovel down food until they pass out? Like, that's not a loving act. Um, and I jumped into the steps. You know, I've always been a big, like, step person because um, I think that's where the answers are and that's where the solution is. Um, and it's, you know, finding that higher power who's going to give me that, you know, that spiritual experience so that I can not take that first bite. And, you know, one of the things she said is she would always she would always remind me, like, you never have to pick up again if you don't want to. She would remind me that. She's like, you never have to pick up again if you don't want to. And that, I just, that was so freeing for me. That was so freeing for me to hear that because I was so afraid because I'd been in and out for six months. I was just, I, I had this abstinence now. It was like, it was June 12, 2003. 
And I was so afraid I was going to lose it. I was afraid the willingness would go out the door. I really was, because I'd had that kind of experience. And um, so I would pray every day for the willingness. So, like, I encourage you if you're struggling or, I mean, I still do this sometimes. Like, pray for the willingness to to stay absent today, because I think that's what it is. Um, And I heard this at a meeting just last week, and it was really interesting that, um, well, yeah, that we're not, (laughs) that, you know, we're not necessarily powerless over the first bite. I'll, I'll share from my experience. I can, you know, with God's help today, I cannot pick up that first compulsive bite. But once I do, I'm pretty much screwed. And um, so my sponsor would say, you know, you never have to pick up again if you don't want to. You know, as long as you stay, keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. And I loved that stuff. You know, so keep going to meetings. Keep calling your fellows. Keep going out for meals with your fellows. Keep working the steps, you know. Keep calling your sponsor daily. You're going to keep getting what you're getting, which is some peace of mind, a little bit of self-esteem, not binging, (laughs) which is big. And, um, you know, my life is just, you know, slowly, ever so slowly, but, but very consistently, gotten bigger and I just feel like a big blossom (laughs) you know just like opening 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 layer after layer after layer just opening and that's what OA has given me because OA taught me how to be myself because as as I've mentioned many times in the talk you know I had a lot of low self-esteem and I didn't like to you know be honest with you about what I was feeling but in OA I had to because if I if I'm at home alone and it's like me in the kitchen and I don't want to go into the kitchen because it's not meal time, but I'm, you know, I need to call somebody. I have to pick up the phone. And the, for me, the telephone is one of the best tools, or my most favorite tool. Not my most favorite, but one of my favorite. Um, and because it, it keeps me connected to you, and it's, and if I don't want to pick up the food, there's, if I want to pick up the food, there's usually something going on in here that I need to talk about. So I would call a fellow and be like, I want to eat, I don't know why, and well, what's going on? And then we'd end up inevitably finding something that's like something with school or something with a guy or something with my mom or, you know, who knows? There's always something. And then I would talk about it. And so little by little, I let you get to know me. And that was huge because, as I said before, most of my friendships were based on, like, are you cool? Do you think I'm cool? Like, well, what do you think of me? And do, 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 what, what should I have to do so that you like me? And, and there was, I couldn't do that here. I couldn't because I couldn't stay absent in that way. I had to tell you what was going on even if I felt so stupid. Um, and I often did, but I never, but I just got met with such love here and acceptance. And people would be like, it's okay. I understand. Like those magical words, you know, I understand. Like I've been through that myself. You know, that's such magic that we can say that to each other because we have been there. You know, we've, we've experienced similar things. We've had similar feelings. And, you know, and the fact that you can, I don't have to feel like I'm such a freak anymore. I don't have to feel like I'm all alone and, you know, terminally unique, all that, because I'm not. Like, you get what I'm going through. Even if we haven't been through the exact same experience, chances are we've had some similar feeling or, you know, some similar experience or, or you know someone who had a similar experience who I can talk to and, you know, it, it, there's just um, there, there's just so much healing here. So, you know, I, I started to have friends for, like, the first time in years, like, real friendships. Um, and, I mean, what else? Like, I had a relationship with a guy. That's a big deal for me. I, I mean, I had, like, a three- or four-year ab- 
abstinence period from, from men. I was just so afraid of men. And I know this isn't a women's meeting, so I won't go too crazy into it. But, um, <laughs> but you know, this, this program just really helped me open up in so many areas and learn to trust and learn to put myself out there. And, you know, it's hard to have, like, a genuine relationship, romantic or friendship, if you're just think you're a piece of crap and, you know, are just worrying about what they think of you and trying to get them to like you and just not being yourself. So it's like, again, I learned how to be myself and have a relationship and 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 really enjoy that relationship and grow from that um, and then break up and go through that awfulness and <laughs> calling people every day sobbing hysterically and... And I made it through it, and I made it through it absolutely. You know, I didn't have to pick up the food. I could feel the feelings as awful as they were, and they really did pass. It was amazing. It was awful at the time. I didn't think they would pass, but they did. I don't even like the guy anymore. It's like, you know, and he's shorter than me. What was I thinking? <laughs> but, um, no, he's really sweet. But, um, and, you know, the other really amazing thing I did was uh, I've always had a dream to live abroad, and I got to move abroad after I graduated college, absolutely. Oh, my God, college, absolutely. Can I tell you? I mean, I could not get through a semester abstinent. I was binge, final binge, you know. It's like, that's what it meant. And when I was able to get through that first semester abstinent, I was amazed. I was blown away. That, for me, was a higher power. Because I would just push myself, push myself, push myself to study, 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 must study, must work, must do the homework. And I was so afraid that if I didn't push, 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 that I would get horrible grades and I would, you know, I'd be horrible. And what I had to learn was I can't do that to myself. I can't push myself. I have to, you know, I have to do it moderately. I could do a moderate amount of studying, but then when I would start to seize up inside and when all of a sudden the kitchen starts calling, calling, I'd be like, wow, I guess I need to stop. I guess I need to take a break. I guess that's a normal thing to do. And I pick up the phone instead. Anyway, I got through it absolutely. It was amazing. Um, and I got really good grades, too. It was also amazing. Um, and it was all by surrendering it to my higher power. Because I would just have to be... Because I thought it was up, you know, up to me all by myself that I had to get these really... You know, I had to get good grades. <clears throat> and I, I was learning at the time that, you know, step two, step three, there's a higher power that can restore me to sanity... And I have to turn my will, my life, and my grades over to this higher power. And that was so scary because I thought, no, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to get good grades that way. God will drop me. God doesn't love me. And, you know, I, I didn't believe that God loved me, but I, I acted as if. And what that meant was I, I studied till I could study no more, and then I stopped, and I just had to trust and pray, like, God, I give you these grades. It would be thy will that I get an A. Show me how. But, you know, be they well that I don't, like, show me how to. Um, so, you know, just, again, it's just a lot of surrendering and trying to get out of my own way. And, you know, because when I'm like, must go my way, you know, life's not so fun. And that's when I binge, is when I get this tense. And then the only way that can alleviate that tension is the food. And I, I don't, thank, thank God, one day at a time, I don't go there today. And when I start to get in this place about, you know, I've got to, whatever, do the work, or, I don't know, something. Go shopping, I don't know, something. I, I probably have to stop and call somebody and, you know, check in. So, where am I? Let's see. Oh, yeah, school. And then I broke up with the boyfriend, was distraught, and that's when I had the opportunity to go move to England. And it's like, thank God I broke up with the boyfriend, otherwise I wouldn't have done that. 
and I got to go over there and live there for a couple years and jump into program there. They've got amazing program in London, really strong. And, you know, just insta-family, insta-friends, like I go there not knowing a soul, and then there's all these people all of a sudden that I know and that know me, you know, very well, even though they just met me. Um, so, you know, I mean, just and I share that as an example because I wouldn't have done that if I was still binging and purging because my life would be this big. I would just be worrying about school and work and my food and, you know, and my body. And that's what I'd be thinking about. I wouldn't be thinking about when you look out here in the world for opportunities, for fun, and for living. Um, so I did that, and then I came back here about a year and a half ago, and um, flies by. And, you know, I, I've got a new sponsor now who really kicks my butt, and I just finished the 12 step this morning with her. Because, um, you know, just uh, for me, I just keep doing them. You know, I finish the 12, and then we start back up again, and... I get something new out of the steps every single time, and, you know, I, I just reread the step 12 in the, the other 12 and 12, and the 12, and the step 12 in the big book, and that's some amazing stuff. I mean, just, you know, the joy of living is our theme. How cool is that? Because before a program, the joy of living, like, there was no such thing. You know, it was the torture of living. It was the, you know, like how, you know, woe is me, the self-pity living. I could, you know, write a book on that. And, um, and you know, what I really get from step 12 is, is the service angle and, um, and, you know, helping others, not just through sponsorship, but through, you know, making the coffee at a meeting or setting up the chairs or, you know, whatever. Um, and forgetting about myself for a little while. Like, that's so big, because when I am just thinking about me, it's pretty sad, and I can, like, you know, life can be going great, and I, in that two seconds flat, I can, you know, sing you a tale of woe about why my life is so awful. I mean, I'm, I'm, my God, that is like a finely tuned machine that I have in there. Years and years of, of practice, and, you know, I, I get to retrain that today, like, and that's what my sponsor really works with me a lot on, is, like, when I start to go into the self-pity, it's like, whoa, put the brakes on that, you know, and I can choose differently today, and I can choose to, to look in, at the gratitude, or, you know, look, look at, um, or just not look at myself, how about that, how about look at somebody else, and what I can do for somebody else, and again, I mean, all those things are possible because of, because of this program, and because of abstinence, like, if I was still in the food, I wouldn't be caring about if I'm feeling self-pity or not. I would just be in the self-pity and swimming in it and, like, loving it. And, you know, because I'm not in the food, swimming in the self-pity is not so fun. It's like, yeah, for a while, for a few hours, it's like, whoa, it was me. And then it gets old and boring and there's no one around and it's just not fun. And um, so, you know, I just, I get to live a different way. And, and like I said at the beginning, you know, the, the problem is my thinking. Like, thankfully, the food is not my problem today, which is, which is a miracle, because for years and years it was my problem. But my problem is now is my thinking. And, you know, I, I, I rectify that by doing what you're all doing. I come to a meeting, listen to a speaker tape, or, you know, you know, read some, read some of our program literature, call a fellow, talk to them, um, and uh, and just and just try to get out of myself and yeah I mean I, I guess I think I might be winding it up here um, I guess that's really all I have to say so thank you. Okay. Good questions? Yeah, we've got a question.
Oh, really? We talked for a long time. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for your share. Um, I was wondering, so you were mentioning that you um, call in your food in the beginning of the day. What do you do if you're going to a restaurant or something like that? How do you handle that? Um, that's a that's a great question. And oh yeah, yes. Um, what do I do? I, I said that I call my food in in the morning before I eat it. What do I do if I'm going to a restaurant? And I I have two different ways that I have handled that. And when I first got abstinent, what I would do is I would when I was at the restaurant, I would look at the menu, and then I would go outside and call my sponsor or text my sponsor. Um, so that's that's what I used to do. Um, but now what I do is. Because I, I just don't feel like I, I need that level of, I don't know, commitment. I don't know if that's the right word. But what I do is I'll say, I'm going out to dinner tonight. I'm going to have an abstinent meal. And for me, that's a protein, a carb, and a vegetable, fruit, or salad. So for me, I, 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 I feel comfortable with that. But if, but there are definitely times in my, in my abstinence where I feel less comfortable. You know, maybe I'm going through something emotional or, or something, and I feel a little bit iffy. Then I'll totally be like, look at the menu. I'll be right back, guys. You know, I'm... I'm going to go to the bathroom and go out and, like, text my food in. Be like, this is what I'm going to have and stick to that. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Hi, thank you so much for your share. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you deal, how has your relationship with God changed since you started? That's, like, another good question. Um, how has my relationship with God changed? Uh, hugely. I, I thought in the beginning, I thought God just, I thought God felt about me the way I felt about me, so I thought God just thought I was piece of crap um, and didn't like me <clears throat> and I've learned through action that that's not true that God loves me and God wants the absolute best for me and when I say I've learned that by action like um, um, I thought I'd given an example earlier where I, I may not necessarily like oh with the grade thing with school I thought for sure if I didn't you know do my do my will and push really hard that I wouldn't get decent grades that, that I would just suck and I just had to trust that God wanted me to get whatever grades God wanted me to get and so I acted as if I trusted that you know whatever grades I got were okay and um, and then I you know walked through that and the grades were ended up being okay and and I felt okay about that so I, I had to act my way into right thinking a lot of times you know, like, and I and I also had to borrow other people's faith. Like my sponsors would say that to me. Like if you don't have faith that God wants you to be happy, have faith that I have faith that God wants to be happy. Um, and the other thing one of my sponsors said is, she's like, there's a loving God in the very pit of your stomach that wants you to be abstinent. And that was just like, whoa! I loved that. I mean, that was so cool. It's like having this little magical genie, you know, powerful genie with you at all times. And they want, they're like your cheerleader. They want you to be abstinent. So there's a lot of that. I mean, just acting as if, and um, and it's you know it, it's changed in that. I mean, you know, I meditate daily. I pray all the time. I, mean, I told you I prayed for 30 minutes straight on the freeway here. Like, I just have to because my head will go, you know, in weird directions and weird places. And and for me, prayer and just even having like an open dialogue. I guess it's more of a monologue with God is is um, it gets me through the day. So, mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Thanks.